0: the Bohemians, back with you one more time. Put on a stack of 45s into the program, the program where we take a 45 RPM recording and we give it the once over, the twice over, the thrice over. And uh, for your information, education, delight, nostalgic uh, wisdom, whatever it is that, uh, that pleases you. That's why we're here, my friends. And I'm here with my partner, Bill Mesnick. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Bill in California. Rich Buckland with you in the state of Florida. And what a world, Bill. What a world we live in, huh? 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 What a world. What a world. In Florida, what they're trying to do to Mickey Mouse. It's a sin. It's a shame. It's a shame what goes on here. I can't, I can't take it anymore. It makes me want to move to, uh, to Poland where they take people. Really? And they love people. And they embrace you. Uh, I was is,
1: looking. I was looking on Zillow today at Port St. Lucie.
0: It's a growing town, except we've lost our we've lost Waste Pro, which means we don't have a sanitation department. Nobody's longer. collecting the garbage. Well, they've had issues since COVID. People discovered that they could get other jobs. And they've had an employment shortage since then. Nobody
1: wants to haul the trash.
0: When you can sit at home on Zoom and find the (laughs) place. You know, it seems to be a no-brainer. So, uh, yeah, Port St. Lucie's still growing, still thriving, but uh, not without its problems like the rest of the world. But, Bill, you know, those problems, those problems have always existed. And as we were growing up, those problems uh, were often uh, social and racial and... uh, one of the great singer-songwriters is about to embark on her final tour. Her name is Janice Ian, and the Janice
1: Ian born Janice Eddie Fink.
0: Janice Eddie Fink, and uh, an extraordinary story, uh, also having won a Grammy for reciting it into audiobook form was quite an achievement as well in 2013. Um, and the, so the,
1: the, if I may, just to sort of uh, get us going, so Society's Child is the record. Uh, it was on the Verve label. It was released in 66, but it made it to number 14 in 1967, which is amazing because it is a very uh, uh, political song, And um, it was original title was Baby I've Been Thinking. B-side was Letter to John.
2: It's a marvelous song called Society's Child, written astonishingly enough by a 15 year old girl named Janice Ian. This tune is very well known among the followers of pop music, uh, but you may not have heard it since it's been withheld by most of the radio stations for reasons unknown to me, although probably having to do with its subject matter which is, as you'll see, somewhat controversial. But apart from the words, society's child contains many of the musical joys we've talked about, and some we haven't, like fascinating sounds, both natural and electronic, like a strange use of harpsichord and that cool, nasty electric organ. There are astonishing key changes and even tempo changes, ambiguous cadences, unequal phrase lengths, the works. And we're even luckier to have Janice Ian herself here to sing it for us.
1: Um, Janice Ian wrote a song about a failed interracial couple.
0: She was 14 years old.
1: She was only 14 years old. She was born in 1951. She's now 70.
0: Now what's fascinating to me, and you would need to listen to, firstly, Let me begin with the label that Janicean was signed to at this particular time. Verve was known for its uh, eclectic and dynamic material.
1: Jazz, right?
0: No. Well, yeah, you had jazz, but you had the Mothers of Invention. Oh, sure. You had Richie Havens. You had the Blues Project. You had Jim and Gene. So you had a combination of jazz, folk, and the most indescribable rock and roll, particularly when you consider that the Velvet Underground and Nico was released. Yeah, before. who was the A&R guy? Do, do you remember? Tom Wilson started out, I believe, as the a guy. Tom Wilson? The but great Tom Wilson? You listen to Society's Child, and it's got two things that are interestingly in common with the Shangri-La's. Number one, the recording is produced by the late, great George Shadow Morton. Shadow Morton, yeah. And if you take the Shangri-Las into perspective, Mary Weiss was 14 when she began. So Shadow Morton had... Was a pedophile? Is that what you're saying? No, he had had an idea of the audience he wished to reach with the females that he knew would be accepted with this teenage longing. He created... The the Shangri-Las were were a social invention. Leader of the Pack uh, is is, is not your common love song. Um, No, no. Remember Walking in the Sand is not your common love song. I remember when I first heard it, I thought that it was about her having gotten knocked up the character in the song, what, what what am I gonna do with this life I gave to you? What will I do with it now? In my young mind, I'm thinking she's pregnant. So Shadow Morton was doing his job uh, early on.
1: Well, what fascinated me was that Leonard Bernstein took uh, an interest in uh, Janice Ian and promoted her. He saw her at the gaslight by accident one night, and he this song, when he does this, uh, there's a great clip on YouTube where he's introducing the song and he's talking about the uh, modulation, the key change, the, the organ riff at the end, all these touches that make this song sophisticated. So this 14-year-old Janice Ian not, not only was writing a track that was uh, sociologically uh, mature, but also musically mature. She was um, she was preternatural,
0: but also Leonard Bernstein was one of the best friends rock and roll ever had. Uh, that program that you're referencing it was called uh, Inside Pop: The Rock Revolution, and it was that particular uh, appearance on that program that. After three releases of this song finally allowed it to become a national hit, topping the charts at number fourteen and selling over six hundred thousand copies. That was Leonard Bernstein, the same man who said Elvis Presley changed everything so uh-huh. he was he was quite uh as sophisticated and as much of a genius as he was, he was also a genius in understanding the nature of a music that people thought was a fad.
3: It saddens me that society's child about a black boy and a white girl is still so relevant. It saddens me that people still feel that at 17 is still so relevant. I, I really hoped a lot of those issues would be gone. It encourages me with a song like resist when i see the audience stand up at the end and be chanting it with me and it's equally male and female that encourages me because in the 60s i don't think men realized uh, just how difficult things could be for a woman in in male-dominated businesses like mine or like most so it's a mixture of encouragement and discouragement i, I said to somebody earlier today um I'm tired of fighting, you know. I I have been through so many movements, women's movement and gay rights movement, civil rights movement. Um, It's enough. And yet, here I am in America right now, and we're seeing upheavals, the like of which we have not seen in centuries.
1: Yeah, well, it was a fascinating uh, clip. Uh,
0: At 16... She happens to have the misfortune of running into a guy that we know as Bill Cosby. Um, Janice appeared on the Smothers Brothers show, and she was attempting to promote Society's Child. And that's a great clip from, uh, uh, from that Smothers Brothers program, as we know the Smothers Brothers did topical material constantly and inevitably got them canned for it
1: yeah and ironically Cosby sabotaged her career
0: well he attempted to he he, he really wound up doing nothing of the sort because she has her biggest hit coming up in 1975 uh, at 17 which is a gorgeous record but he witnesses in the green room Janice with her head on the lap of her chaperone. And Cosby then interpreted this as being lesbian behavior and began to put the word out that she was not suitable for uh, television uh, appearances or entertainment appearances. I also have a tendency to believe, from what I also understand, that he was somewhat irked by the idea of this young Jewish girl having written and promoted a song about interracial content. Uh, he was quite the hypocrite from the, from the beginning, Cosby, the man who integrates television and the stunt person industry. Um, and uh, he couldn't take her down. And uh, evidently, after 70, at 71 years of age, uh this final tour and when she and she says when I say final tour I mean final tour she says this is not one of those deals where I'm going into retirement and then I'm going to come out like Sinatra um, at some well, point she's
1: got a lot of uh, varying talents she's, she's written sci-fi books and uh, she won a Grammy for her uh, her uh, the uh, Voice work of her autobiography,
0: but dig this: she's 12 years old when her first song, "Hair of Spun Gold," gets on broadside. Yeah, gets published in the folk magazine of the day, broadside.
4: Just things to be seen and be done All that I could think
0: There has been genius within her, and another. Yeah, she
1: was a savant.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's
1: interesting that originally, so she was on Verb. The record was released on Verb, but originally, um, they she was recorded by Atlantic, and then Wexler uh, refused to release it. And later, years later, he apologized. What do you think about that?
0: Well, I think that there is. We were having a conversation prior to going on the air about um, the different issues in, in race today. And th- th- it's been a fascinating relationship between the Jewish community and the black community. Um, it's As I was stating to you, and I, I will state it without any reservation, my grandparents referred to African-Americans as schwatzes they came, they fled Hitler from Austria. They had fear in them, uh, and they did not see African American people as uh, a safety zone. I think that Jerry Wexler was one of those older Jewish males who felt threatened by the interesting. Yeah, who felt threatened by the material, even though he's a great exponent of black music, as we all know, many of the great producers of the day made their livings and their reputations and their legends on black artists without paying them and uh, and in Alan Freed's case with Chuck Berry extorting pretty much uh, royalties beginning with Maybelline for the opportunity to appear in his movies so you know there is a trigger here that we really don't want, it's, 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 not, uh, it's not nice to think about the realities of how some of this music came to us.
1: You know, I think it's also, I saw an interview with her, she, she said she was caught in the middle between the right wing and the left wing because she said there's something called folk Nazism, And the Folkies objected to the fact that she had drums on her record.
0: Well, it's not surprising given the, you know, the greatest uh, slap in the face to folk music, which was Dylan's appearance at Newport. That's not just drums. That's Mike Bloomfield, Sam Lay, Paul Butterfield. I mean, what are we, Al Cooper? What are we talking about? We're talking about
1: speaking. Of, speaking of that, check out the clip with her and Tommy Emanuel. It's from 2014. But I have a question for you, Rich. So, because apparently she came out against RIAA because they were offering, and so she offers free downloads from her website. Explain that to me. I'm I'm a little confused. What is R-I-A-A?
0: Well, this is the Recording Institute of America and I think what it has to do is it has to do with the entire uh, episode that Napster created with file sharing and how you had artists like Metallica who were against it and then other artists who felt that sharing this music was the right thing to do. Um,
1: So that's the side that she came down on.
0: That's the side that she came down on, yeah. Yeah. She argued that uh, free downloads dramatically increased hard copy sales. That was her argument.
1: And she had started a record company, Rude Girl Records. Right,
0: and she started a record company. Now you would think... You would think that someone in this business position would not want to give away merchandise for free. But I subscribe to her argument. I believe that anytime you offer people, people are much more generous than they're given credit for. There's this this viewpoint that if you get something for free, you're never going to buy anything from the person that gives you the gift. I disagree. And in my. Isn't that what your
1: mother told you? Don't. Uh, why would you buy the cow if you get the milk for free? <laughs>
0: <In> my <laughs> experience is generosity is so unexpected that I remember the first time I got a free gift when uh, I started having Walmart delivery service. And then they started slipping in these free gifts, whether mm. it be. A snack or soda or whatever it is, they somehow through your profile of what you purchase. Well, believe me, that did encourage me to use them exclusively as a delivery source.
1: Yeah, promoted I mean, goodwill.
0: Yeah, good because there is something. To, there is definitely something to be said for. Well, goodwill. it
1: worked for the Warner Brothers lost leaders.
0: Oh yeah. Well, th- those albums. You had were, to pay
1: two dollars, and you got. Like this cornucopia of music.
0: It was like a double album set, like the Big Ball, and uh, Mercury had a version of it called uh, Zigzag, which had <laughs> Mickey Newberry and Tracy Nelson. I mean, I mean, yes, you're absolutely correct. And for two dollars, you'd get this in the mail, and it basically just covered the cost of. Uh, pressing and the postage. But uh, I've got those to this day. I've got a bunch of them. Yeah. Everyone I could get my hands on. And uh, in some cases, I've got three copies because my brother would get them. And then he no longer wanted vinyl. So I inherited those. But you're right. Goodwill in the music industry. But other people subscribe to it as being a socialist venture. And uh, giving away this music is is not... Well,
1: I think Janice Ian has always been staunchly clear on her positions. And um, nice that, I mean, maybe Cosby was right. After all, she married Patricia Snyder in 2003 and is happily married. And God bless her.
0: You know, she's from Farmingdale, New Jersey. So she has... She is, uh, she's a young, she's a young woman of Jewish heritage from New Jersey, with this mind that reaches, and with her science fiction work, you could, you can make a case that her imagination is not just grounded in in humanism, but it's grounded in uh, the universe, and as a gay woman she begins to understand other demographics of uh, spite and hatred that I don't think she anticipated to be as dynamic. The Cosby episode, of course, was the precursor. But believe me, as she got older, it didn't get much better.
1: Although I must say, uh, at 17, which was comes from 1975 and she won a Grammy. It was number one. Um, it, that was such a, a wonderful breakthrough for her. I mean, cause she said, quote, I conceived talking about society's child. I conceived the song at 12, wrote it at 13, published it at 14, became known at 15 was a has been at 16. Um, but then 10 years later, this resurgence, and she said, on Valentine's Day 77, I received 461 Valentine's cards. Um, Because in the line in the song, she goes, for the girls who never got Valentine's. Um, And so she remembered that fondly. I learned
4: the truth at 17 That love was meant for beauty queens and high school girls with clear skin smiles who married young and then retired The Valentines I never knew The Friday night charades of youth were spent on one more beautiful At 17 I learned Lacking in the social graces Desperately remained at home Inventing lovers on the phone Who called to say, come dance with me The murmured vague obscenities It isn't all it seems It's 17
0: It's a very important song And uh, my wife, Vanessa, channels it quite often And recalls it vividly as being a life-altering recording
1: It's an anthem, it really it is, is It
0: is an anthem And I don't think that the majority of males could possibly grasp this uh this element of feminism that was being uh, so artistically and poetically. She had nurtured it for so long and there it just comes out in this poetic, gentle nature. And once again, this is the almost intellectual version of what Mary Weiss might have done had she been given an opportunity with material such as that.
1: I see what you're saying.
0: As you see what I'm saying, as these, mm-hmm. what George Shadow Morton saw in Janice Ian, was much more than opportunity. He did see the brilliance, but he also understood that real people sell, and that's why the New York Dolls became so successful because here you got this new wave of artists who are dressing up as women. It's not accidentally that George Chadow Morton is attracted to this study in change of culture. And when we went to see them in Rosalind Long Island, uh, it's pretty, it, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. It
1: was, it was impressive. It was, um, but for society's child, um, I think it's really important to, to understand that um, she indicts herself at the end of the song. And she says, it's not the parents, it's me. I don't want to see you anymore. Because the pressure of society had made her acquiesce.
0: And there have been some people that suggest, as in Sandy Posey's song, Single Girl, where she talks about the ravages in this country record of being single. But then when she discovers a male in her life that dominates her, she states she wouldn't have it any other way. And that that, that was <laughs> coerced in order to make keep the audience in line because guys were not going to be, or women, the stand-by-your-man concept was very much alive I at see, that time.
1: I see. So you're saying that the audience needed her to reject
0: her black and lover. Right. At the end, somehow find a way to retract her attraction. But that's re- that's really not what she was doing. She well, was, she,
1: she in an interview, she said that that's what she was doing, that she was indicting herself. Oh, uh, herself, Her, yeah, her hypocrisy. She,
0: she wa- yes, but she wasn't, she wasn't attempting to make nice with a record company to get no. to get a record made. And no. at the end of the recording, reject the black suitor, the black boy. And what player. do you
1: think about that organ riff at the
0: end? Oh, it's, you know, I, I mean, but once again. It gets uh, really
1: hot and jazzy at the end. Gets, I mean, yes. which is really strange.
0: And what's, I love it. What's strange about it is the fact that it's, number one, recorded at all, that it's given three opportunities that a king of of all music intervenes makes it a hit, Mr. Bernstein. Bernstein,
1: uh, excuse me.
0: Oh, I'm, <laughs> I might get canceled if I if I, <laughs> if, I if I use the wrong. Bernstein. how did that start? See, for me, it was Mad Magazine. Frank, it, it wasn't Mel Brooks. Social consciousness, you social, No, Frankenstein and Frankenstein. Oh, Frank, no. There would be a comic.
1: Because for me, social consciousness did come from Mad Magazine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there I remember a cartoon where two characters were arguing that Frankenstein, this is before <laughs> Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein yeah. or Frankenstein, but Mel Brooks himself does it in the film. Yes, he does. Yes, he yes. does. So there has been this is it Goldberg or is it Goldbike? <laughs>
1: anyway, let's play this
0: gem. Society's Child, Verve Records, 1966. Janice Ian.
4: Face as clean and shining black as night. My mother went to answer, you know that you look so fine. Now I could understand your tears and your shame. She called you boy.
0: It's a thing of beauty it really is a thing of beauty and you know when, that
1: organ riff at the end just slays me
0: well you're really conquered by that but i am conquered by the entirety of its existence because just, you have
1: this kind of dour lament you know longing and all of a sudden this like hot jazz blues thing happens and maybe that's like the the, you know the, what you know spurned, what it is the spurned black lover you know what saying, it is Saying F you.
0: you know what it is it's 12 year old Charlie Parker or 12 year old uh, Groove Holmes or 12 year old you know whoever I mean somebody is getting a point across mm-hmm. uh, Speaking of day and age uh, I just got a uh, text that we now have our first black. Female Supreme Court Justice. The vote was all right. The all vote right. was fifty-three to forty-seven, and uh, Judge Brown is now on the Supreme Court. So uh, that's interesting. That just came up this second as we about wow. are about to. Congratulations to, end this to America. Exactly. Look how look how far look how is far Alexa talking to you? What is come? that? noise? That is my friend Alexa. Alexa, quiet, please. So, Janice, you have a wonderful tour. You be safe out there. I understand Tom Paxton will be joining her for certain dates. I also wish to um, extend condolences to the friends and family of someone that we are quite familiar with. We lost Mr. Paul Siebel uh, a couple of days ago, and he is not generally known but there is a recording called "Woodsmoke and Oranges" released in 1970 on Elektra Records. And you want to talk about genius? Many people still refer to this as the perfect album when it comes to folk, country, blues. Um, he was 84 years old, and he appeared at a concert that I promoted at our high school, and. Uh, Which
1: we're going to cover in a future podcast. In a
0: future podcast, because there were so many performers there of note, including his friend David Bromberg, who did a wonderful, wonderful tribute to him. Uh, So, yeah, they come and they go in the Grand Hotel. But Janice, you have a wonderful tour, and um, we thank you for everything that you have donated to our to our culture. All right, Bubba, I love you. We love you. We'll see you soon with another episode of Put on a Stack of 45s. And remember to put on Captain Billy's Magic Eight Ball. JJ Kale is up and airing right now. The Grateful Dead are coming around the corner live, dead. It is our 20 minute entirety. And uh, more to come on that. Plus, please attend our awards where nobody slaps each other. The Splendid Boho, where we give an award to a character actor of note. And our John Carradine episode is doing very nicely thanks to you. And also thanks to two episodes where John appeared on The Rifleman, currently airing on your favorite nostalgia channels. Have I gotten everything in?
1: That's a lot.
0: That's a lot, Bobala. All right. We will see you soon, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.